So we're coming up to 8.09 and with support for Windows 7 about to disappear from tomorrow, there'll be no more software and security updates provided. It leaves Windows 7 users exposed to a greater risk of cyber attack. Let's welcome on the line Roger Kay, President of Research and Consulting Firm Endpoint Technologies. And good morning to you from Seoul. Yes, uh, good evening from Boston, Alice. Even for those of us who are using a, a later version than Windows 7, we might not wonder exactly what support means. Uh, what, what, what exactly does this uh, entail for those people who are using Windows 7? Right. Well, support would be uh, continuous releases of the software updates that would have defenses against new attacks that, that appear after at this point in time. Some people so might, might find the offer of support already, though, quite annoying and, and not actually be taking advantage of it. Uh, there have even been cases that I've researched that suggest some of the offers of support have uh, caused more problems than, than benefits for Windows users in the past. Yeah. Sometimes updates actually are a little bit worse, and some they introduce new bugs along with new features, and then they have to fix them again. But I think what's going on here is this sort of philosophy of software. There's a conversion. Microsoft is converting over from the concept of a sales model, even though technically you never owned Windows, but you used to think you bought it. So when you bought a computer, you got a copy of Windows with it. You said, right, in in the years when Windows 7 was being introduced, uh, you got one with Windows 7, and it lasted the life of the computer. Then when you got a new computer, it had a new operating system on it. People didn't upgrade much, and once in a while there were point releases that seemed to be interesting and people would update them. But what what then happened is that uh, Microsoft was in this position of selling you a, an operating system once every, let's say, five years. And for them, that didn't seem like enough. They'd like to sell it more often. So they said, well, supposing we don't really sell it, supposing we rent it to everybody, and we get them to think of it as a service, a live growing software body that's continually changing and will introduce things all the time. Now, the rationale is primarily security. Oh, the bad guys came up with a new attack. We need a new defense. And you'll be vulnerable if you don't have the defended software. So you need to get the update. So we'll just charge you per month or per year, and you'll always get the the best bits we've got. So they keep delivering products. That's the model that they want that is the future. It's Windows 10. It's what they're doing now with Windows 10. And Windows 7 represents really the last release when they they, they essentially gave you the software once and said, these bits are going to stay the same unless for some reason we have to change them. We'll send you an update. But basically, you got some bits. Now they're saying, you don't get any bits. We're going to lend you the bits. You can use them. When we think they need to be changed out, we'll change them out. We won't even really ask you about that. So that's a philosophical change that has brought about this kind of migration to Windows 10. They're making it very easy, even if the free migrations are over. Windows 7 uh, used to be offered essentially free. uh, Sorry, Windows 10 offered free if you had Windows 7. They said that program ended, but you can still do it today. They'd much rather have you on Windows 10 than on Windows 7. So they're converting you over to a rental model, and that's what's behind this sort of change. I'd like to talk a little bit about 
the, the new subscription economy type model in a moment, as well as perhaps some alternatives. But first, just dealing with people who might rigidly try and just stay on Windows 7. Will they be able yeah. to do so indefinitely? Oh, absolutely. So imagine that the only real problem is, uh, is there a danger coming from outside? So if you're using your computer for nothing other than operating your printer, you don't have to worry about anything. If you're communicating on the Internet, then you're potentially touching things which could introduce something bad. And so you, you basically have to restrict what you're doing. It'll be just much more careful than you otherwise would be so they don't pick up something bad because you're now vulnerable to known attacks. And so once... I mean, and I'm projecting into the future. We don't know what they are yet, but there will be. There's always vulnerabilities. The bad guys find them. The good guys also find them. They fight it out. But sometimes the bad guys have an opportunity to exploit it. And if they know that Windows 7 isn't getting any updates and there's a specific vulnerability that they've discovered, they can just go after that. And they'll say, oh, how many of them are there out there? And they'll say, oh, you know, 200 million. That's plenty for us. We'll just dump a bunch of spam out there and hope that somebody hits the, the bad link and lets us in. And then from there, we can explore their network. So that's sort of how it works, and that's the danger of it. But literally, if you decided you didn't want to be on the Internet, you could just use it for playing music or watching movies that you already own or something, you know, DVDs. <laughs> you really don't need to update anything. There's no real reason. You're just not getting the new fixes, the new... Uh, uh, things that will will defend against future attacks. Even if you are online, though, if you're doing fairly safe things, I don't know how we would define that, but ch- checking email from reliable sources, not opening random spam and clicking on suspicious right. links and that sort of thing. And if you're not um, okay. trying to stream illegal services from questionable sources as well, i.e. if you're just sticking right. to the established safe platforms, opening relatively safe emails, going to relatively safe websites. How likely are you anyway to come under cyber attack? Well, the answer is that phishing is really how it's done, and it's done through email. And so you could use a service like Inky, I-N-K-Y, to help you defend, you know, see what's coming in, whether it's good from people you know, or reliable sources to check out, or whether it's bad, or whether it's questionable, and you want to look more closely at it. So Spam is the, uh, sorry, phishing is the way it comes in. It looks like spam. It's it's called phishing. We call it net phishing because they don't really care who they get. They put out sort of stupid bait, and one in a million people hit it, so they get somebody. But spear phishing is more focused. It knows who you are, what you do, sends you a plausible note from somebody you may know or you think you know using their name. Uh, it's very clever stuff when they're going after you specifically. So if they're just dragnetting, then, you know, they'll just take in whoever wasn't paying attention when they clicked on the link. So, for example, if you have email, you can get bad email. So you need something like Yankee to protect you from that. Um, but if the service provider is reliable, then uh, you can at least be sure that the, that the email is coming from a reliable source. But you have, to, you have to detect whether it came from a reliable source on the other end, like who's sending the email. That matters not just your ISP. So I think, um, you know, that's where you need a little bit more defense in depth. So unfortunately, the Internet isn't as uh, nice a garden as it used to be. There's a lot of bad actors out there, and you do have to be careful. And by the way, even if you're 
a small fry and you think, well, nobody cares about me. I mean, I'm one of millions and what does it matter? Uh, in, in fact, uh, if you've ever watched sharks round up a bait ball in the ocean, they basically just spin the fish into a big ball and then they eat every single one. And they dive through the middle of that ball with their mouths open and they eat all the fish. So if you're a little fish, there's no protection at all in numbers. You can't just, mm. you know, say, oh, I'm one of 10 million. Don't worry about me. They're after all of you is, is the real message. And they'll, you know, the, the hapless ones fall in first, but even very clever ones can be fished. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. Let's just finish with our options then, because there are 22% of PCs in Korea still using Windows 7 as of a couple of months ago, yeah. which suggests yeah. that um, some people will be caught out statistically. Uh even yeah. if we're trying to be quite clever about it, uh, but what's the, what's the, uh, the the realistic option on the table? Would it be to, if you rigidly want to stick with Windows Seven, to install better antivirus software? Might you also yeah. want to consider, if you don't want to go to Windows Ten, another operating system altogether? Yeah, well, you could you could move off the platform, but realistically, uh, my view of it. Uh, okay, I have a, a bunch of computers, I don't know, 20 computers or something, most of the Windows 7 ones I upgraded to Windows 10, and I did it even after um, the expiration of the free up, upgrade period. And it's they all went fine. The thing is that Windows 10 is not spec for hardware that's any beefier than the hardware that Windows 7 runs on. So you don't have to worry that you're PC is too weak, and you might as well go with the flow because Microsoft is going to continue to deliver fixes through Windows 10, and it's actually a better operating system than Windows 7. So, looking at the choice realistically, you just do the upgrade. It's easy so why enough. not? Yeah, it takes, takes a while. But if you want to hold out, I mean, I do know people that I, my brother is on XP, and he's frozen all the bits of all his apps. He never changes anything. <laughs> And he doesn't communicate with the outside world with that PC. And he uses it for editing music, because that's what his thing is. So, you know, he's got this ancient compact hardware running Windows XP, and when it breaks, he replaces it with exactly what he had already. And you can do that. That's a pretty radical and fanatic way to go. It's easier to just upgrade to Windows 7, uh, sorry, Windows 10. But then you're on the, the Microsoft, you know, intravenous feed into your bank account gravy train. So... You know, you have to decide how you want to roll with that. Roger Kay of Endpoint Technologies, thank you very much for the, the thorough overview. Hopefully we'll feel a bit more informed. We've still got a day to go till this protection comes go. to an end. Thank you. Good evening.